Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe and I'm Georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations, tips and tricks, products we love and brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Oh God. Well, I'm back from the opticians. Straight back into it. Like this is so funny because all <laughs> summer, all summer long, Zoe and I have been right. The second week of September, we're going to be all over it. It's going to be no disasters. Yep. Kids are going to be in school. Gigi's in full time. We're right back on it. We're there sat ready to record and ring, 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 oh, ring. I mean, school that's not your ringtone, is it? <laughs> it is actually. Work. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's just a ring, 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 ring. I pick up, I'm like, oh no, it's a Weybridge number. Oh no, please don't let it be the school. Hello, Miss Hardman. Uh, Luna's had an accident. I was like, oh God. Firstly, is she okay? Yeah, she's fine. She she poked herself in the eye with the blunt end of the knife at lunchtime. So you hear those words and you think, oh shit, what's happened? I was like, is there any blood? No. But, you know, she, she, her eye won't open. It's really watery. She says when she does open it, she's got blurred vision. I was like, okay. So the phone call went like that. And then it sort of got a bit better. And she was like, but, you know, she is back in class. She didn't eat her lunch. And she is back in class. And I was like, okay, well, do you think she needs me to come and collect her? And she yeah. was like, I think she'll be okay, but we'll keep an eye on her. But obviously with eyes, it's a bit difficult. So I was like, so then I rung you, didn't I? So it was three mm. minutes before we were due to record. And I said, look, I've had a phone call from the school, but I'm just going to play it by ear. They then rang back about 90 seconds later saying, do you know what? You need to come and collect her and you need to book her in for an emergency appointment at the opticians just to make sure. So I go to the school and I'm like, oh gosh, okay, is she okay? I ring around for an hour trying to get an appointment, get up there and bless her. She's like, hello, mummy. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> your, eye, I said, your eye looks better, darling. And she was like, yeah, it's a little bit blurry. And I just knew when I looked at her, I just yeah. thought, you're okay. You're okay. <laughs> You're okay. But obviously I wanted to go and check it out. But I mean, I think, how many people do you think have had that this week? Oh my God, loads. Loads and loads and loads. Because the thing is, if you hadn't have gone to pick her up, you'd have felt so guilty the whole time. And it's just, that's just what happens. I feel like kids love the drama, don't they? they? Like like at the moment in Axel's year, everyone wants asthma. (laughs) Like they all oh, yeah, want the asthma. Inhaler. Yeah, the inhaler. they all want yes. asthma. Like suddenly, all the kids have asthma. Axel's saying, "Do I have asthma?" And I'm like, "No, no, no." In fact, he didn't say asthma. He said cancer. He said, <gasps> "Have I got cancer?" And oh I was like, God. "What? No." And he went, "Oh well, this person's got cancer. This person's got cancer. This." And I was like, <gasps> "What?" Like you know, like you're like, "Oh God!" And then suddenly he was like, "Yeah, yeah, they haven't." He didn't even call it an inhaler. He called it something else, like an inebriator or something and I was like 
Oh, asthma. Asthma. They've got asthma. They love it, don't they? They love a little trip to the office, a little bit of extra, you know, care. She loved it. She was literally like, what's this place? And I was like, this is the opticians. And she was like, wow, it's so fun. And I was thinking at that point, I just thought, nah, you've only come here to have a little look through that little hole and to identify the colours of the hot air balloon. And um, then when I was in there, the lady, the optician was like... Um, so Luna, when was your last um, when was your last eye appointment? And she was like, "Oh, I've never had one." She was like, "Mummy doesn't generally take me to appointments." <laughs> what little shit! Stop dobbing me in. And then she looked at me, and I was like, "Oh God!" And she was like, "She's turning seven next week." And I was like, "Well, when should she have had?" And apparently five. Oh my God! I'm God. two years late. Well, mine ha- mine haven't had eye app- eye appointments. We've never well, been that's to the why we're best mates. That is why. And it, do you know what? Here we go. Another lesson for everybody. Everybody, who knew you had to take your kids to the optician age five? I really I didn't know that. But you know, it took Luna stabbing herself in the <laughs> eye with a knife. So we got there, got there in the end. Well, yeah, exactly. That's the saving grace, isn't it? That was the only positive out of the afternoon. So I've done none of my work. I haven't written a post for tonight. I haven't, and now I'm sitting um, doing this at five pm. But anyway, Georgia. Apparently, the conversation that you had earlier on today was beautiful. So um, just yeah. t- talk. Give me, give me, give me a little snippet. Give you a little snippet. So we, do you know what? It was one of those where we just talked about a lot of different stuff. Um, we spoke about how the guest really always wanted to be a mum but she put so much pressure on herself that she'd be like you know at 27 suddenly doing the math sort of like right okay if I don't meet anyone by this point then I'm not gonna have a baby until this point and then you know blah, mm. blah, 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 blah so much so when she did come around to you know wanting to conceive she was actually really ill and and couldn't conceive because she was so stressed out about everything, lots of other things going on in her life. Yeah, we also talked about, you know, our identity, being people pleasers, not really, you know, when you read all these memes that say, who, you know, who are you? Just be yourself. And she sat there thinking, well, I don't know who I am. So we spoke a lot about that. Oh, do you know what? Like a really well-rounded chat, but a guest that was really like lovely and warm and just very likeable just very easy oh, to get this on one with is, this would have been a good one it i've got fomo good, yeah. oh don't have fomo we missed you though we really did well i miss doing it georgia who are we chat well i should i should rephrase that georgia who are you chatting to today <laughs> i am chatting to broadcaster now author and mum of two liana bird Welcome to the podcast, Liana. How are you today? I'm really, really good. Thank you so much for having me on. Before we started recording, we were talking about um, like little ones starting school and like the dynamic and that your youngest tries to get in the classroom with your eldest and all that kind of stuff. So what's it been like for you this morning? Do you know what? I'm going to be totally honest. I am eking out the last few days of summer holiday. Our school came back. Are you? Yeah, our school came back at the end of last week. So I've just stolen an extra two days and they were quite nice about it. Um, my my dad lives abroad and we've been visiting him and just thought for one or two days we could get an extra five days with him so um they were very very kind 
but I am being a bit cheeky. So my morning was pretty much just being on holiday and very chill <laughs> and all that comes with being on holiday with kids. So yeah, I'm clinging on to the summer holidays. Oh my God, you said clinging on. It's actually really nice to hear because Zoe and I are like, like desperately trying to push them back into school and then you're coming on being like, oh, and I'm clinging on. But maybe it's because you're on holiday. How's it been? You know what? I Like, of course, I'm like everyone else and the freedom that's going to come with pushing my children back into school nursery you know I am looking forward to having my own life back again in some ways but I'm really really lucky my dad lives in France in the south of France so it's just blue skies and sunny here at the moment I don't want to rub it in for anyone because I'll be back in London very soon uh, in the mix with everyone else so I'm just kind of hanging on to that a little bit it's a very different different lifestyle out here and and obviously we're going into autumn and then into winter so that's what I mean by clinging on (laughs) so what would the normal setup be for you like how what's the normal morning who's taking them to school what's what's happening we made a possible error we chose the school that we really really loved for my eldest daughter who's now going into year one but it is a drive away and muggins here is the only one in the house that drives so that means that um, we all tend to get up together and do the whole morning rush together. But I'm I'm the chauffeur, the designated chauffeur for yeah, drop offs and pickups. Um, my 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 littlest one, she's just turned three, and and she can be walked into nursery. So sometimes we kind of split that up. But it also depends on our schedules. Um, if if me or my partner are working, uh, who's around? If he's if he films quite a lot, if he's away filming, I take it on my own. But if he's around, we kind of tag team quite a lot. Like I'm like, you get the school bags ready, and I'm going to get them dressed. You do the shoes, I'm going to get the coats and. We, we, we sort of divide and conquer pretty well, actually. But it, it is always hectic. And I am always the late and really, really flustered mum that turns up with kind of like uh, in my pyjamas with my hair all over the shop. I'm, I'm the, like, the least <laughs> organised person in the, in the world. So I find actually that being on holiday even though the kids are with you like all day, you don't, it's very relentless. You don't get a break from it. It's magical in many ways, but you know, there is the relentlessness of it. They're not having to rush in the mornings and get organised and get everyone out. For my brain it's like, it's much more chill. <laughs> yeah, there's no like times, like deadlines, you've got to be somewhere, all that kind of stuff. No, I, t- I totally get you. Now let's rewind um, because your life was very different um, before you became a mum. Do you want to just give everyone a little insight into what you, you were doing before and like what you're doing now? So I feel like I lived about 40 different lifetimes before I even had children. I am someone who finds it quite hard to commit to just one career or just one thing, um, just one lifestyle. And I try and kind of try a little bit of everything once. Uh, I think um, my friend wrote a book called The Multi-Hyphen. And I think that's probably mm. where I lie. Um, and so I've, I did quite a lot of stuff for I had kids. I, I had a radio show. I went all different kinds of radio shows. I ended up at a station called XFM. Uh, I was there for many, many years. I, I carried on into Radio X. I was doing the weekend shows, Saturdays and Sundays. Um, and I also did my own podcasts. And one of them was turned into a book. And then I started a charity with a couple of my friends, which was, it started out as just a little fundraiser we were going to do. And it snowballed into what is now Choose Love. You may have seen some of the Choose Love t-shirts around. Yes. And that was an incredible journey that's still continuing on today yeah it was a really amazing experience it was people I think called us the accidental activists at the time um it was a very intense experience and it came with its pros and its cons it was it was incredible but very hard as well um and it happened at the same time that I was writing my book 
and running my show and trying to get pregnant. So it, it was a lot. Um, and I got quite sick. Mm. That's a whole other story. But anyway, so that that was another thing that I'd been doing. And I I was always writing as well, writing articles and things like that. So I was kind of like doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I did theatre productions. I just I just kind of tried to be a bit greedy with life and try as many things yeah. as I could. Um, yeah, I had I had a lot of fun, basically. You just mentioned that, um, you know, Choose Love came with some hard times as well. What what? What were they? What ha- like what happened? I mean, it we started it in 2015, so it's eight years ago now, and um, it's a very different organisation to what it was at the, at the beginning. Of course, we started it; we were just a few friends um, on our phones and um, trying to do what we could. We were we were completely inundated with support. We we initially tried to just raise a thousand pounds and get um, a van load full of clothes and other goods to take to one of the camps in Calais. Um, and we were so inundated with support that we didn't know what to do. We had we had all these funds coming towards us, all these um, people coming and dropping off goods. We had to hire big yellow storage and it was all over the news. And it was just it was very overwhelming. Um, and that was the beginning. It was incredible as well. I mean, it was overwhelming how much people wanted to help and how many volunteers. But of course, when you start something out and it gets very, very big, very quickly and you don't have the time or the resources mm. or the experience to have infrastructure put in and to have systems put in and all the things that you know the big charities dealing with those kinds of amount of funds and those kinds of amount of volunteers and that much work would have it comes with its challenges and the core group of us who were trying to manage what became a movement really and you know it became a movement of thousands of people um we 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 couldn't switch off you know, it was a 24-7 on-call mm. thing. Um, and then trying to juggle that with actually facing some of the realities of what displaced people are going through, you know, not experiencing it ourselves. You can never understand it if you don't live it, but but becoming confronted with it in a way, you know, we hadn't before. We lived very privileged, bubbled lives in London. Um, mm. So that was psychologically quite hard and having to go there and listen to people's hardships and see it firsthand and then come back to London and be going to fundraiser events where people are drinking champagne and you've got to do that too because you've got to raise the money and that was psychologically quite hard there was a lot of pressure um it was an opportunity that I don't take for granted we were so so lucky to have the support we have and the organization now one of the girls I started it with Josie she has continued on she's now the CEO she's doing an incredible job many of the team who are still there today were there from day one as well they they volunteered and joined us and and so it's become a different organization and now it's much more calm and structured and incredible and I'm so proud of the work it does but it, it was it was a hard journey and for me as well I was trying to juggle that with trying to get pregnant um having a relationship um writing a book keeping my radio shows up so I I had seven days a week from the moment I woke up till three four in the morning and sometimes you know you'd wake up at night with these panic text messages as well so it was there was no time to switch off it was quite relentless but it was also I have to say like the absolute honor of my life and the proudest thing I've ever done like I would not change it for the world and that to see now how many people it's reached and help you know it is unbelievable it is amazing i'm so it proud really of it i wouldn't take it back and i'm not complaining about it i just it's it's a lot it was a lot yeah, yeah. and you you touched on you you know you were trying to get pregnant at the time how was like conceiving for you was it an easy thing or was it did you have some challenges so actually i was faced with almost a bit of a choice choose love happened we were called help refugees at the time 
which was so intense and incredible, but intense and took a toll on me and everyone involved. Um, and I was doing that, like I said, I was doing the book and the radio show and I was, so I was, my frequency, I would say, would, was went from like what is already relatively high. I'm quite a kind of, you know, here and there, but sort of frantic in, in some ways mentally, but it kind of went up to the max. And so my body, I, I started waking up yeah. every morning covered head to toe in hives, like as if I'd been rolling in a nettle field at night. And it took me a long time to figure out what was going on initially. I thought, God, I'm allergic to something and the sheets and the washing pad. Then I started having a, my face would explode into like, ever seen anyone with a really severe peanut allergy and their face just explodes in yes. every part, eyes are mm. shut, lips. So that started happening to me. Um, and so I went to the doctors and, and at the same time we were trying and it didn't happen straight away. And I was getting really stressed about that too. And the doctors said they knew I had this autoimmune condition and that my body was something had gone wrong. And they just said to me, you, you cannot carry on doing what you're doing and working at the pace you're working at and your adrenaline and cortisol and all these other things going on in you and get pregnant. It's just not going to happen. And you're not going to get better. Mm. If you want to have a baby, you have to first be well. That's, I mean, that was the advice I got. And so I had to sit down and really think about all these things that I was doing in my life um, and how much they meant to me and how important they were. And and in a way, make a choice. I mean, many women, I think, have to make difficult choices. similar, yeah. But mine was a very kind of stark choice. It was like, get pregnant or carry on with what you're doing now and the, all the work you're doing or make some difficult choices. So I I decided to prioritize having a family and I stepped back from Choose Love and I did what was probably the best thing for it anyway, which was to trust the people who were who had started it with me and who were carrying it on and who were incredible and who are incredible and um, l- take a step back from that. Stop being the control freak <laughs> I was trying to be. And, <laughs> and, um, so, and they were amazing. So I did that. I cut my radio down as well. And I just prioritized getting well. And I did. And then um, mm. and then the pregnancy happened when I was calmer. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I was yeah. also not a spring chicken. I mean, I, I you know, now I'm 42. I think, oh yeah, I was really young then. But in terms of like, the medical profession and how they view you. I was a geriatric mom, right? I was 36. So I was panicking, thinking this is not yeah. going to happen. If I don't do this right now, it's not going to happen. And it was, that was adding to my stress levels as well. And everyone goes, don't stress and then it will happen. And it's the most counter like productive advice you could have because when people tell you don't stress, it's all you do is is stress and worry about it. It's like when someone tells you to relax and you're like, oh, oh, oh God, I don't know how to yeah. relax. What are you talking about? I can't just relax. What does that mean? Did you, I get, did you always want to be a mum? Always, yeah. I mean, Maybe, maybe not when I was inside my mom's belly. I don't know when it kicked in, but I <laughs> know that there's a huge pressure on girl, little girls and women to be maternal, to be motherly, to want that. And I know that it is absolutely not the right thing for everyone. And I'm so supportive of the fact that we seem to be now moving to a phase where women aren't judged as harshly as they once were and are allowed the space to actually choose. But I genuinely was... Yeah obsessed with little kids even when I was a little kid myself and I you know when I was five I wanted to be looking after the two-year-old and when I was eight I wanted to be looking after the five-year-olds and I used to do you know I used to do all sorts of stuff I used to when when we went on family holidays they'd have these you know kids crashes the little ones would stay behind you know to the state of kids club kind of things but crashes and I used to fake that I'd like yeah 
twisted my ankle or had a headache so that I could stay and look after the little kids, like a stranger's kids, basically. So I really, really wanted that. And I think in a way it's nice to have that clarity, but it also puts this thing in your head of like, at way too young an age, I think like from 26, 25, I was already going, mm. right, if I don't meet someone by this age, then I will not have my first child by this child, then my second. And I had I had this enormous amount of pressure of like hitting the timeline that I needed to. And my best friend, Phoebe, who we grew up together since we were seven years old, we've been attached at the hip. She had her babies at 28, 27, 28. Suddenly I felt like, oh, well, it's not happening for me and it's never going to happen. And I just, from between the age of probably 26 and 36 when it happened, it was always there in the background for me and a bit of a panic. And it colored a lot of my life in that period and a lot of my decisions. So I did I did want it probably a little bit too much. It's No, it's interesting because I think if you do know that you really, really want to have kids, there is that, there is that pressure. There is that like, the ta- you know, for women, that sort of body clock ticking in the background. And no one really tells you about it. Like I met my um, husband when I was really young. And so when I asked my mum, I'm like, mum, why did you never like talk to me about like, you know, getting, you know, getting pregnant and like all that kind of stuff. And she was like, well, because you met James when you were really young and you got married really young and I just sort of didn't and I said but if I had you know if we'd have got older would you have said something would you have like sort of talked to me about it and talked me through my options and she was like oh do you know what I've never really thought about it but I think now having a daughter it is something that I'm going to talk about because there are options now you don't have to rush your life you know there is there are there are options I think also we get taught a lot at school about how not to get pregnant you know it's such a big part of Mm. sex education and it is really important of course for young girls and boys to understand how that works but we don't talk about the fact that it's not that easy to get pregnant for some people and certainly for me for my first child you know and perhaps I had extenuating circumstances or perhaps that would have happened anyway who knows um you know I spent the first year and it wasn't happening and the Mm. you know the panic that that set into me um you know perhaps actually if I've been taught that it does take that little bit longer for some couples and understood a little bit more about the biology and all the different things that have to line up in place I mean it's kind of miraculous when you actually think about all these things that have to happen for the baby to actually be born and how amazing it is and I did actually I did go to a doctor when I was about 32 and I said I'm starting Mm. to get a panic that I'm not going to have children and I probably it's probably irrational but I'm I'm worrying about it all the time and I would like to freeze my eggs. And he basically laughed at me and told me to go away and just start trying. And I was like, but my partner and I, we're not, we're not really ready to start trying. There were career things going on and situations around our lives. We weren't in the right place and we needed to both be in the right place for it to happen. And he just thought I was being ridiculous. Now, when I got to 35 and I was trying and it wasn't happening and I was going to the doctors and they were saying, well, you know, it would have been much better if you'd come to us when you were 32 and we could have got some lovely young eggs that, you know, that, and then I was feeling really frustrated. Um, And I think Mm. it's about us just all being really super informed and being able to have those options Mm. to us, Um, you know, financially, it's not always possible for everyone. Practically, it's not possible for everyone, but the more we know, you know, knowledge really is power. And I do wish I'd been a little bit more informed perhaps about what it really takes to have a baby yeah so obviously you had a very longed for baby what what was it like when you first held her 
I talked about this before and I felt a bit mean about it. And then I rang my partner and I was like, No, don't. You can say what you want to say. And I was like, Is our daughter going to listen to this when she's older and be like, What expecting me to talk about this magical first moment that most people talk about? And then she's going to look at me with like disdain. How could you describe our first meeting like that? But the reality of it is, right? I, I went through the birth. I had a really, luckily, really nice, pretty easy birth comparatively. And when yeah. they, it, she came up very quickly as well in terms of pushing. So I only pushed like, I think three times, which was, who knew under all these cheese belly, I've got, I've got some abs in there. Who knew? Um, and I pushed out the <laughs> baby and um, she came very, very quickly. So I, don't, I think I wasn't really prepared like that it was going to happen right then that I was going to meet her. And I remember she was kind of plopped onto my chest and they're, they're pretty wet and, you know, covered in gooey blood and all that. Bit gross, really. And my first thought was, someone's dropped a baby octopus onto me <laughs> and I think you know don't, I'd been on gas and all the rest of it so maybe I was thinking but I really thought this feels like a baby octopus and then I looked and then you see this baby and you're like wow and then and it is amazing and she was so long for and she's so loved uh, but I remember also thinking like who are you like I don't recognize mm. you and I, I almost thought that she'd have my face or my partner's face and I'd look and I'd just go oh yeah 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 you look like both of us and they don't, they're all, you know, they're very swollen. They look, they look very different. And I remember initially thinking, gosh, who are you? And then I felt this huge amount of guilt. You know, why am I thinking this? And then I was kind of overthinking that reaction and going like, oh my gosh, I've wanted this all my life. And I'm going to be this awful mum because my initial thought was, I don't recognize you. Like, you know, and it was, it was, it was a kind of weird moment, but it was momentary. A moment, sorry, mo- yeah, it was a momentary mm. moment, if that's the right way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the first night together, you know, I just, we just cuddled and snuggled and all the rest of it. And I've just been very, very obsessed with her since then. She really, yeah, she's she's a very, very loved child. Sometimes I, I remember when, when she was really small and I actually Googled, can you love your child too much? <laughs> Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so obsessed with that. Um, so yeah, she's a very loved child. But that first moment, it definitely wasn't this kind of like magical, my hair flowing, no. her on the boob and kind of picture perfect moment at all. <laughs> it was messy and funny and silly and ridiculous and amazing. We'll be right back after this short break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? They are kind of strangers. Like, aren't they really? Like, they're they're strangers. They come out and you're like, oh, God, like, you're mine and now you live with me. And, like, I don't know you at all. It is a weird one. I think the one. thing that initially kicked in, like, straight away from the moment 
the moment I saw her was, for me anyway, was a protection feeling. I will do whatever it takes to protect you. I will put my life on the line for you. And I that was instant for me. What took a little bit more mm. long was like you said, like just the getting to know them and like to feel like they yeah. are your family because of course they've grown inside mm. you. And of course you love them. And like I said, you for me anyway, I just instantly felt like I would die for you like in a, instantly. But it just, I, I, I had such an expectation that she would look like how I thought she would look like a mini me or something narcissistic like that. And I would know her instantly and she'd instantly feel like the love of my life and the daughter. And it just, and I just think like you to get to know each other a little bit, you love them, but you don't know them that well. Um, and it, no. you know, and it, I can, it could, every child can be a little bit different as well. And for me, I fell in love with her very, very quickly. And I'm really glad about that. But I know for other people, it takes a bit longer as well. And I think that's totally okay too. I think we need to stop putting so much expectation on this moment of meeting and this initial like, being in love straight away. And there's so many components that go into that as well. Like, you know, how your pregnancy's been, how the birth's been, if you've had a really traumatic birth, like how can, you know, is it going to be euphoric or are you just going to feel knackered? Like it, there's so many components that go into how you're going to feel in those first And I think weeks. there's so many, there's so many films and, and images out there of this moment. And, the, you know, the, the mother's sort of sitting there sort of glowing and the dad's kind of there and the, and the baby just looks like this sort of pink, perfect baby. And I, I really think they need to start showing a little bit more of what it's really like, that it is a messy, it's a messy time and it's you know you're tired and sometimes you're high on gas like I was for some people it, it you know you see the baby and you go this is the person I've been waiting to meet my whole life um and maybe because I built it up so much and imagined her and wanted her so 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 much I thought I knew what she was going to look like before I saw her and that yeah. was ridiculous because she is her own person she's not mini me she's not a mini version mm. of my partner she's herself mm. and that is do you know what that is that is something that I think a lot of people can relate to is that when you've thought about something for so long then you have to remind yourself that actually like our job is to like raise an independent adult yeah. like a ultimately like raise a good human and it's not like to have a mini version of ourselves even though that's really cute but you know it's not it's 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 different what um what would you say has shocked you the most about being a parent Mm. I think how different both my children are I think Mm. when I had a second child again I did this thing of having an expectation of thinking okay she's going to be just like a mini version of my first daughter right and they're just going to be slightly different and they're so so different in the best possible ways you know and and I think they're both such amazing people and magical and they love each other so much but they are they are opposite people and I think that was quite surprising to me and then you start going like who else could I make (laughs) you know um but I think (laughs) and it is this thing of just of of realizing they are not just mini yous and they are Mm. I mean my second daughter Iggy she is the most kind of single-minded determined person I mean she knew from the moment she was born exactly who she was I'm a bit of a people pleaser and I've spent my life I'm in my 40s and I'm still going like you know you see all these Instagram things going just be you just be unapologetically authentically you and then you'll be happy and I'm going I don't really even know who I am yet I just still figuring it out and I I feel like my daughter Iggy knows exactly who she is yeah she's so not afraid to tell people and I think that's so incredible and wonderful and my first daughter Dali she's this kind of like fairy like magical imaginative little creature and she's kind of enchanting in so many ways but she's also really I can see that she takes on that 
um, wanting to be loved and liked thing that I have more. And so the difference in between the two of them and then watching them come together and seeing how their two totally opposite personalities work and gel with each other. I just love that. I think that's been really, it's been a real surprise for me. I think I just, yeah, I just, I think I was um, slightly narcissistic and thought I just had these mini me's. <laughs> don't know mm. why I thought that because I'm, I'm so different from what my parents do. Why did I think that? Yeah, I know. It's interesting though what you say about seeing things, um, you know, where it says, oh, just be unapologetically yourself and then thinking, actually, who am <laughs> I? Because I, I know exactly what you mean because I definitely change around different people, like definitely. 100%. And I don't know if that's just me and like my personality. Is that just my personality or am I changing? Like I, my husband, for instance, is the same. Like no matter who he is with, he is the mm. same. He talks to people in the same way. Although I did hear him on the phone the other day for a work call and I was like, oh, you were talking to someone from like your where he's from. And he was like, yeah, I was. And he was like, how do you know? And I was like, because your voice changed. Yeah, it's, and I think especially when we become like a parent, we can almost have spent like however long, 30, 40 years of our lives being one person. Then we grow some humans and life kind of changes. And then you can be left feeling like, Actually, I don't know anymore. Like, who but am I? But I think I? also we play, we do play different roles and different characters in a way, depending on who we're with. You know, when I'm mm. with my school friends, I'm definitely more of the joker of the bunch. When I'm with my kids, I'm obviously mum. And, you know, when I'm with my partner, I take a very different role. It, you know, when I'm with my sister, I revert to childhood again. So it's, you know, you are taking different roles. And I I, I also worried about my kind of chameleon-ness, shall I say, quite a mm. lot previously because I also you know when I'm talking to people I mimic sometimes their accents a little bit and I was like does that mean that I'm just like I've got no personality of my own that I'm just like mimicking other people but I think if you look into the psychology of it you know it's a it's a it's a form of bonding and again trying to be liked it's not uncommon if you are someone who just really needs a little bit of validation from other people and who worries about what other people think about them um that you know you you're trying to mirror them in some ways so you know I think as you kind of understand that maybe that's a part of you too and that's okay so maybe that's mm. you know I think then you you stop sort of judging yourself so so harshly on that but that's also partly you know one of the things I I did try and tackle a little bit in my kids book was about celebrating differences and it's something that I think we've probably all had in our lives in a some way whether it's in our childhood in mm. our teenage years or as adults of feeling the odd one out and feeling like a misfit, mm -hmm. feeling like maybe we need to change to fit in. That's something I really wanted to my daughters to know that, that they don't have to. They never have to change who they are to be liked or loved or fit in with anyone. And it's okay to be different. In fact, it's brilliant to be different and it's amazing. It's good to be different. It's it's so it's so incredible. Like you don't want to be normal. You don't want to be the same as everyone else. Like that would be the thing that I would be trying to avoid. It's so hard when you're a kid because you just want to fit in. Um, so yeah, that's part of the reason I kind of decided to write my my kids' book. And we'll obviously get on to where to find it and the name of it and stuff at the end. But how would you say that you've changed since you became a parent? I definitely have found that in terms of like mentally myself, I am carrying a lot more information in my head than I used to. And like the responsibility of worrying about other people's well-being means that I can do less things at the same time. I know that sounds like an odd thing to say, but I was a mm. DJ for 16 years. I DJed festivals, I DJed globally, I DJed on the radio. And I was very, very used to having very loud music, controlling the desk, talking, chatting to someone in the room, being on my phone 
doing all these things at the same time. And that was really natural to me. And now suddenly I'm, I've got so many different tabs in my brain open, worrying about like, have I, oh, have the kids got stuff ready for school? Have they had their vaccines? Have they been to the doctors? Have they got the dentist? Have I got that? I feel like I need quiet more and I need calm more. And I mm. can't, I can't have people talking to me at the same time anymore. And that's, it's quite an odd change for me because I'm someone who thrived in noise and um, sort of uh, activity previously. And I feel definitely like I just need like, to decompress more now yeah I'm also mm. way less judgy oh I was I was a nightmare before I had kids Same. Oh, I, Same. I, I rang my best mate the other day and I was like how did you not tell me what an asshole I was before I had children because she had kids so much <laughs> earlier than me and I remembered some of the things I used to get like you know that that I wouldn't do that you know oh she's definitely making mm. a mistake letting the kids you know oh my god you know and I listen to myself now and I just had no idea what I was talking about. Steve Martin has a brilliant song yeah. called Talk About Things You Don't Know About. I was the queen yeah. of that with other people's kids. Talk about things you don't know about. When, when I'm a parent. So now I'm a lot less judgmental. And I also think like that doesn't just go with parenthood. It's also other things like I'm not, you know, doing the jobs of other people. Right. So how on earth do I think I would know or have an opinion what they would do? And also like anything, you know, you're watching a stand up comedian, you're listening to a new song, you're reading a new book, whatever you're doing. You, you love, you know, we love to have opinions on things. And I just remind myself, I'm not that person. I haven't lived their life. I haven't done what they've done. So I haven't really got a right to sh- yeah. I can have an opinion, but maybe don't like shout it out everywhere as if I actually know what I'm talking yeah. about. Zip it a little bit. <laughs> No, I know exactly what you mean. I think I, I always think I'm like, God, that parent who wasn't a parent yet was so good at it. That was me before. I had all these grand plans, and then they just didn't. They, they didn't yeah. happen. Would you say like your relationships with people have changed since you became a parent? They have to. They have to. You can't. Mm. Well, I maybe some people are doing it. In which case, kudos to you. You can't be the person you were before necessarily and keep up with that lifestyle. Like, you know, I had a particular lifestyle. I was out a lot. I was living a very fast paced life. I was having a lot of fun, doing a lot of different things. And, you know, if I'm being honest, I was getting shit faced a lot. I was getting drunk. I was going out. I was partying. I was going to all the, you know, I I was working on a radio station. I got invited to millions of gigs and I was living a very lucky, wonderful, privileged life. Now, I'm not saying that has to go completely, but you can't, you can't keep doing that. And you don't want to when you've got little people. You can't, you know, I'm older now anyway. I can't deal with hangovers at all. But I also don't want to, like, I want to, I want to take my kids to the zoo on the weekends. I want to hang out with other people with kids as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm still friends with my, single friends and my childless friends from before but <laughs> yeah. it just has to be in a slightly different way you know mm. they're amazing I love them all still but I've, it's the relationship has certainly changed also I would say my relationship with my mum has changed because yeah I leaned on her so much more like in my 20s and 30s you know you, you, I wanted to be so independent and I was kind of I wouldn't say I was pushing my mum away but I was just so wanted to like deal with things on my own and not burden her with this and that and then the minute I had a baby like I was just on the phone all the time like oh what am I doing I don't know what I'm doing help I can't do this or like anytime I felt a bit low like you know I remember after you know in lockdown I just had Iggy my second baby and I was you know isolated and feeling like you know she's the person I turned to again and I feel like you I reconnected with my mom once I had kids because I understood so much of what she'd done for me in a different way 
Um, and that was really nice. It was really lovely. Yeah. I think about things like that all the time. I think about all the sacrifices that, you know, your parents made and like all, of, you know, all of those little things that you just had no idea yeah. about before. And they still come up now. Like my kids are seven and four now. And I still, there's so many things that I'm like, oh my God, you did that. And oh God, how did you make that yeah. work? Like the work, you know, my dad was a headmaster and my mum sort of didn't work until I went to secondary school and then she did so that I could go to a good school and like all these things that you think oh my god like you really did do a lot and at the time I was just like ah, yeah, yeah take the completely bunking off school and doing yeah. all these things and I thought oh my god you must have like yeah it it does it gives you so much perspective. I appreciate both my parents in a totally different light of course I really do I appreciate what they did I also appreciate why I was a bit of a nightmare like as a teenager you know you just you just have a new perspective on things you kind of know it but when you've got your own kids and you see how much parents do and how much of themselves they have to give away and sacrifice um you know which which is what they've signed up to do. It's not the kids' fault. The kids don't owe them anything back for it, you know, but you just see it in a different light. Like my mum, she used to take stories from when we, I was just maybe two, three years old and she would put these productions on amongst friends and family and it grew and grew and became actually like a bigger thing. But she she started doing these productions based on these kind of classic stories and fairy tales. And it gave me this real love of the theatre, of performing and of stories. You know, it's where I first fell in love with fairy tales and with stories that instill something in me and now at the time I I think I took you know I loved it and I, but I took it for granted a little bit and now I look and think gosh how, how much effort and work and imagination must have gone for her on top of everything else she was doing to have the time to create those little moments of magic for us it's mm. you know you just you look back now and you sort of think because I you know I'm knackered now you know I can't even be bothered to make myself dinner and have a bath you know, I'm like I'm not, I've got my, my batteries are so low half the time and I'm going she yeah. must have been the same but she still found the time and you know and then my dad would take us hiking and biking and do all these kind of like fun activities and I just think like wow how amazing that they must have been running on low as well but they pushed and did those things and now I try and do those things for my kids even when I'm low and just go like you know just do that little extra craft activity or do that little thing with them because I remember my parents doing it for me. So it does, it changes your perspective a little bit. Yeah, it really does. Now, aside from looking after two little girls, what are you up to at the moment? You just touched on your children's book. Yeah, I mean, that's right now, that's my focus. It's my my debut kid's book. It is called Babu, the Unusual Bee. It's story of a little bee and he has pink stripes and he likes to dance. So he doesn't quite fit in with the rest of the hive and they let him know it. And it's his story about leaving the hive and making a new friendship. I don't want to give too much away, but making a new <laughs> friendship, which through which he discovers that, um, as we touched upon earlier, you know, being different, it doesn't need to be your weakness. It can be your strength. It can be your superpower. I wrote it during lockdown. I had a new baby and she was nursing. She was actually feeding at the time. And I'd had this idea for the book for a while, um, but I hadn't written it and it was just one of those things you know you're like at some point maybe and yeah. um, she was feeding and it but you know when you've got a newborn it just feels relentless the feeding schedule feed now change now feed now you know it just feels relentless and I was looking at the pump thinking when she stopped feeding I'm gonna be pumping and I was just sort of feeling like I have become I used to be this person and I have become a human cow basically <laughs> I'm a milk machine and I don't know if I exist aside from this. That was the kind of place I was in at the moment. And I just thought to myself, no, you know what? I'm not going to sink into that line of thinking. I'm I'm loving being a mum, yeah, but it is really, really hard. But I'm still going to 
prove to myself I think it was like a moment of defiance to myself like I can still think I'm knackered but I can still do this and I just thought I'm just going to do that thing I've been meaning to do for ages and I took my phone out I was sort of holding baby here phone there and I just typed yeah I sent it to I've got a literary agent because I'd done a book previously a, a sort of pop science book and um he loved it and sent it out and rocket bird books who are amazing they they wanted to make it as a picture book and they paired me up with this amazing illustrator called Aisha Tengiz she's incredible and yeah we made Babu the Unusual Bee together and um I'm just really really excited for that and I'm kind of going to be doing loads of readings and just sort of touring that a little bit and focusing on that for a little while. Amazing and we always like to ask our guests about like the products they love for like yourself or for the kids like what prams are you using what stuff can you not live without and since I guess you're on holiday what stuff have you been like just loving? Well I've written I've written a little list do you know I have to oh, say first of all come oh, on, get student. <laughs> and um, I, I have to say obviously if you'd have asked me this question when I had babies a whole mm. different list right but now yeah. I've got toddlers preschoolers and, and schoolers um, a three-year-old and a five-year-old it's different things so the first one noise cancellation headphones which I know Love that it. sounds like it sounds like a ridiculous thing right and I kind of I, I was I was slightly joking when I wrote it and then I was like actually no they are really really good if you have to sleep with your kid and obviously sometimes they're having like a scary night or they're feeling unwell and you want to share with them my kids snuffle and truffle and <laughs> do all this sort of stuff throughout the night and you know I can't function when I haven't slept a good night's sleep so what I found is I put my noise cancellation headphones on and I put an app on called brown a brown noise it's like white noise but lower oh my god brown noise. what is the difference because I've really got into brown noise and I don't know what the difference is like kind of high frequency yeah like, like quite irritating and brown noise is like a very very low harm it's so low but your brain kind of tunes into it and it just stops those kind of like you know hourly wake ups and you just have a much restful more restful night's sleep and I just find like if you've had a good night's sleep you're just such a nicer person generally and a better parent and life is much happier so. 100% I put my airpods in the in my ear sometimes like if the kids are like watching the tv and I just want to go and get some jobs on I just put them in just so that they can't get to me and I can't <laughs> hear the noise of them but it is it's a great it's a and you know what I also think a pair of airpods or like like good headphones is a great gift if yeah. your friend's having a baby because like you can walk and listen to the podcast or while they're watching Peppa Pig you can listen to your own thing and sit with them and kind of look like you're on the plane watching as well. it but oh. you're not they're amazing yeah go on. <laughs> anyway carry on okay so the next one I'm going to say is um and this is not a plug I just genuinely love it is the Tomy box and all the yes. little characters that come with it so again this is something my kids discovered when they got that little bit older but it gives them that autonomy it's like a little box like a speaker and you have all these little characters they look like little toys and you shove them on and the kids can just plop them on the top and it tells a story so it could be Pippi Longstocking or a Toy Story one or Maya the Bee is the one my kids are obsessed with at the moment or there's songs or you can even do your own like creative ones where you can make your own songs and stories up and play it yeah and I think like it's really really nice my kids like to listen to stories at bedtime on it but it also gives them that autonomy on like long car rides and things like that they, they're like DJing their own little audio books in the back rather than asking you every two minutes and mm. they like it and it's and it's really nice for you so I love a Tony box um, I also love the little Tommy Tippy blender steamer. I was obsessed with that for ages. It's like a blends food and then it steams, sorry, steams food and then it blends it or just does one or the other. I got really, really obsessed with cooking like from scratch, healthy, good food for my kids, but stuff that was kind of hidden healthy foods that they would really, really like. Yeah. 
I actually posted about it a lot on Instagram, calling it lazy mum recipes. And during lockdown in particular, it got really popular. And that was my one steamer blender was like the thing I used for almost all my recipes because <laughs> uh, it's just so easy and so much less washing up and just quick and simple. I love that. Um, the grow clock. That's another love one. Love the grow clock, um, yeah. It's just, yeah, just once they learn, once they're old enough to understand, you know, they do not disturb you unless they really, really, it's an emergency. They just, you know, they go back to sleep or they just rest and read their stories until it clock turns yellow can you tell I'm slightly obsessed with having a good night's sleep I like (laughs) don't function without it the grow clock I really help and I also think it's again it's that thing of just teaching them a little bit of independence and my kids like come to me in the morning they're like it's yellow clock and they're so proud of themselves that they've managed to do it and and wait for the clock to go yellow and then the last one is it's not really a product but it's just a thing I always have in my bag now is just a drawing pad and some pencils and felt tips my 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 daughters love drawing. I'm sure most kids do. Um, and particularly my older daughter, Dali, she just draws all day, every day. Like it's all she wants to do. But I do find when you're out and about in a cafe, in a restaurant or somewhere like that, um, kids get really bored at the table. They're just not into what we love doing, which is sitting and talking over eating. And so the minute I whip that out, they are just so happy yeah. drawing and just, yeah. And I that is like my, I will not leave the house without that yeah do you know what i got recently it's like these there it's a drawing pad i got on amazon i think for like 9.99 in fact i think it was two drawing pads for 9.99 and they're those ones that are like it's a pen that draws on like a black screen and then you press the arrays and it all goes again and i i just always have those in my bag now as well because then there's like none of the mess because i sometimes worry about felt tips in a restaurant and then like they're drawing over the chair you you don't love having sixteen thousand pieces of paper with all your drawings over your house oh, don't. Don't. Pens everywhere. do you bin the drawings or do you keep them no we are we are stuck with such hoarders um my, oh my god you keep them oh, we take, so my my partner <gasps> he's good he mom trained as an artist before he went into comedy and so he like he's so big into art and drawing and painting and so he could never throw away a single drawing of theirs what I have done is they've each got a drawer in the kitchen and we put them in there and my in, my intention is one day I'll sort through it and I'll make books of the nice ones. It's probably going to be turning into like buying more and more and more drawers and an attic full of them <laughs> and boxes in the attic. But that at the moment, that's my intention is to try to keep them for now. And then when I look back, I can go through them one day. One day. <laughs> one day. Yeah. You're like my kids. You see them in the recycling bin and they're like, why did you throw away my Honestly, picture? Honestly, my partner, you should, there'll be like, there'll be a piece of paper and it's got like three dots on it. And I'm like, well, we can bin this one. And he's like, no, don't bin it. That's really nice. It's come from their minds. It's really beautiful. And I'm like, okay, fine, fair enough. I'll put it in the drawer. I'm as bad as him. <laughs> Before we go, what would be your piece of advice that you would give to a new mum or the best piece of advice that you've been given? I read something the other day and it said something like 90% of parenting is trying not to freak out whilst your children are freaking out, which was, it was funny. And it obviously applies more to, you know, the toddler phase. Um, but I started thinking about that a little bit. And I think we all think that our job is to take this little baby and raise them into these amazing human beings by teaching them to emotionally regulate themselves. So, you know, they can't have that chocolate right now. Well, the appropriate response isn't to scream and cry and get angry and all the rest of it, but it's to say, I'm really disappointed. I feel really upset. So it's all those things. We think we're teaching them to emotionally regulate. But as a parent, actually, what I've realized is your biggest challenge isn't to teach them to emotionally regulate, it's to emotionally regulate yourself. The only way they're going to learn to respond calmly to a difficult situation is if they see you doing it. And the only way you can do it is if you've tackled your own demons and you've figured out a way to 
act, react appropriately yourself. So if a child is screaming and you're screaming back at it, you're modeling mm. the wrong behavior. Right? So, so, and I'm not saying I don't do that. Don't get me wrong. I lose my rag too. Like everyone else I do. I try and apologize afterwards, but I, that, that whole like 90% of parenting is trying to freak, not freak out when your children are freaking out. Yeah. That's a, It's a big challenge. And I think what it said to me is, you know, parenting isn't just about working on your kids. It's about working on yourself as well. Working on yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's so true. Absolutely. So true. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, you have to come back on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, it was a good one. It was. And she's a, a good one. She is. She's a re- like a really lovely, uh, you can just tell like she's a really lovely person and she would definitely be our mate. Um, well, so she thank is now. you so much. Yes, she is our mate. Thank she you, Diana. Lovely And thank chat. you, G, for hand- handling that by yourself. Um, although you're such a pro these days, <laughs> aren't you? <gasps> I mean, I've created a monster. I don't know if I'm a pro. <laughs> yeah, you have created a monster. You should see my rider. Um, all sorts in there. Also, I should have mentioned. Um, obviously the optician spec savers we need yeah. we need to be sponsored by spec savers now yeah. after Luna's d- drama this afternoon because they were incredible so anyone from spec savers listening get in touch please get in touch and also I think all of these opticians are missing a trick because I reckon there's a lot of parents out there that don't know that you need to book your kids in for an eye test age five yeah and also if you go to spec savers um <laughs> Listen, it's like they've sent the script over already. They haven't. If you if you if you if you go to Specsavers, the NHS pay for it. Oh, well, there we yeah. go. Then it's free. Okay, so they re- re- really don't have any excuses. And I'm saying I'll add it onto my list. I will. It will be at the bottom. And I don't know when I'll get around to it. If I'm completely honest, behind the doctors, behind the dentist, behind the uh, podometrist. What is that? A podometrist. Podiatrist. Oh, that's it. What's a podiatrist? <laughs> What's a podiatrist? Is that a thing? Know. Oh, please don't tell me that's another thing. What do it's they do? Not. Check their. Or something. Oh God. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus, that's a chat for another time. Um, as always, we'd love you to rate, review, subscribe, and please give the podcast a little follow because that helps us get it out to more people. Yeah, and if you have got any suggestions for guests, then please do drop us a note on Instagram. We're on at Made by Mummers, and we'll be back on Friday. Made by Mummers is an insanity podcast production, and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.